Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Jane Thompson. Now, Jane developed a sensitivity to energies after a profound near-death experience in 2008. She was taken to the hospital with a sudden illness early one morning, and by that afternoon, the illness had progressed rapidly. Leaving her body, entering the light, and being in spirit form changed her life profoundly. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Jane Thompson. How are you doing, Jane? I'm good, Alex. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much for coming on your show. I, I appreciate you coming on to tell your unique story of your life's journey so far, uh, yes. which has had a couple of ups and downs, let's say, uh, throughout, throughout it. So my first question is, what is your life like or what was your life like prior to having your near-death experience? Well, my NDE, I had just turned 34. So I had logged in some time as an adult. Um, I was very much into career. Um, That was my main focus. I was a real estate agent, which is a seven day a week job. It's, you know, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed and you're on all the time. And I enjoyed it. I liked, um, the challenges of it. I liked the movement of it. Um, and this was in 2008. So the market was not great. So it was a very competitive environment, which I liked and it was cutthroat, which I didn't like, but I, um, I felt like I was willing to put in whatever effort I needed to move forward in a really ethical way but work got most of my attention and I had a really serious boyfriend and we were, you know, talking about marriage and getting closer and closer to that. So relationship wise, things were good. I was happy with him and he was very into work. So we gave each other the space to do that. And I, you know, probably on the surface, everything looked really great and I probably would have told you that I was happy, but there was still that part of me, even before my NDE, where it felt a little bit empty and kind of like that feeling of this is it. It just didn't feel full to me. And I was doing what I thought would bring happiness, kind of, you know, you go to school, you get a job, you are successful, you fall in love. But as I would check off each box, it wasn't really fulfilling me in a deep way. And I knew I had trauma and things that 
needed healing. And so I would go to therapy and spirituality was always very interesting to me. And I dove into different areas, but nothing really stuck or nothing really resonated. Although I did have what I would say are Christian beliefs. Um, So I was just really plugging along and um, I didn't know any better. Now that I look back, I think, oh, that didn't seem too great. But at the time I thought, you know, this is pretty good. I've got a good life. Right. So there wasn't any major struggles or issues. You were just kind of coasting, essentially doing well, doing well. And and just on the outside, at least on the outside. Right. Right. And doing well for the most part on the inside. But there was that emptiness that always lingered, even from when I was little, when I was a small girl. I even remember that being there. So what happened on the day that you had your near death experience? The big day, the day that changed everything. Um, It was August 22nd, 2008. My near-death experience happened in the emergency room. So we got the exact time as it it was at 1.20 PM that day. The night before I hadn't been feeling really well. And um, I went to bed early. And when I woke up the next morning, I was hot. I was sweating. I was burning up hot. But I still had the comforter, the covers over me. And when I moved to try to take the blankets off, I couldn't move my body. And when I would try to, I was experiencing excruciating pain. It was the type of pain that you get those all over body aches that you get when you have the flu, Mm -hmm. except it was like a thousand times worse, more intense than that. And I was fading in and out. Um, It was very early in the morning. The sun was just starting to come up. So my bedroom was just starting to light up. And each time I would open my eyes, I could see that it was brighter. So I knew that a certain amount of time had gone by. And I had the phone next to me, my cell phone, which is so interesting looking back because my habit at that time was to plug my phone in before bed in the living room. But something that night before, I just brought it into my room and thank goodness that I did because I finally got enough energy or strength to get the blankets off of me. I reached for the phone and I called a family member and I said, something's wrong. I feel awful. I'm in pain. I'm burning up. I need to go to the doctor. And she said, okay, let me get dressed. I'll be right over. And um, I don't remember anything until she came to the house to pick me up. I was just completely, it was just blackout for me. And we first went to the hospital. She saw what I looked like. So we went to the hospital instead of trying to get to the doctor. The first hospital that I went to was the one closest to my house. And they did an MRI, but it came back inconclusive. So they sent me to a different hospital. By the time I got there, I was, I was hurting. I couldn't hold up my head. They had me in a wheelchair to get me into the ER. My head was just hanging. 
And I was really, um, I mean, I could feel myself dying at that point. I knew my body was quitting. And as I was waiting for the CT scan there, everything around me became very amplified. The, the lights in the hospital are pretty harsh anyway, those fluorescent mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. But boy, were they beating down on me at that point. There were kids that I could hear in the waiting room down the hall. And it sounded like they were screaming. And um, I told someone that was with me, I said, those kids are so loud. And she said, they're really actually being pretty good. And it just everything was so amplified, even the clock that was on the wall, the second hand, as it was ticking, I could hear it loudly. And they came and got me for the CT scan. At this point, they suspected kidney stones. So they needed to get the IV in before they could do the scan, um, a special type of scan that they wanted to do. By this point, I was so dehydrated from that fever and they weren't letting me drink or eat anything. Um, They couldn't get a vein in my arm to put the IV in. And I was lying there on the, you know, the mattress that they slide you into the CT tunnel with. Mm -hmm. And I was lying there and I remember that's when I started trying to leave my body. That's when it wasn't just blacking out because I was sick or in pain. I was, I could feel myself trying to leave my body. And every time the nurse would poke my arm to try to get a vein, it would pull me back in. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I, I was a little mad about it. I wanted to leave. I was, I knew what was taking place. And, and I told the nurse, I said, just get the needle in because I either wanted to be in or I wanted to be out. And so he got the needle in, went in for my CT. And I don't remember any of that. I remember afterwards being taken to the area in the ER where I was going to wait for the doctor to see what to do next. I hadn't had any pain medication at this time. I was completely worn out. My temperature was 106 degrees and I was fading really fast. Um, I remember feeling like, or I remember having this thought of, I can't take this pain anymore. I can't take any more of this pain. And right at that moment, I closed my eyes and I was burning up from the fever and I started getting very cold all at the same time. And I started convulsing. I could feel my body shaking all over my head. There was so much pressure in my head. I could feel the veins popping in my head. And again, I had that thought of, I can't take this anymore. And it was right at that moment that I completely disconnected from the external world. Mm. I, in a way, disconnected from my body. I definitely disconnected from the pain at that point, the sensations. And I started 
looking around inside of my body. I was being shown almost like a movie that you would see in health class, maybe in middle school or mm-hmm. high school of the blood pumping. And I could see that. I could see what the internal organs looked like. I could see cells. And it was just an observation. I didn't really think anything of it. I was just looking as I traveled. And then I had this knowing of, I'm looking at a dying body that I'm dying. And it wasn't so much a thought as it was just a knowing of I'm dying. And oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to die. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't scared. I really had no emotion around that knowing you would think I would have, Mm -hmm. but I had no emotion around it. And um, right at that moment, I popped out of my body. It was very quick. It was a split second. And I was up on the ceiling, looking down at the scene below me. And I could see my body lying there on the gurney. But I felt myself up here on the ceiling and it didn't make sense. So I needed a moment to orient to what was going on. And the more that I realized that the real me, I was up on the ceiling. I looked down at that body and I realized that that's the shell of me. I didn't see any life in, in that body anymore. And I saw the scene around me, doctors, nurses, the couple of people there that I knew um, that were watching everything that was happening. And I was just taking it all in. I was just looking around observing. And all of a sudden I began very gently, very slowly floating up. And I was backwards because I was still looking down. I was very, very, very gently floating backwards and up. And the walls of the hospital started to disappear. Mm. The machines that I was hooked up to were disappearing. The bodies were no longer visible. Um, What I was now looking down at were these little balls of white light, which that was everybody's soul. I was seeing everybody's soul. Mm. And I saw how everybody was connected by this really thin iridescent line that looks exactly the way a spider web looks if you catch it just right in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. And I was just taking it all in. And then I had a moment where I observed that all these little balls of white light, all these souls were really bouncing around. They were really buzzing around. And I thought, why are they all running around like chickens with their heads cut off was the exact thought that I had. And there really wasn't judgment attached to that. It was just an observation of why, why is this happening? I don't understand. From my perspective, I didn't understand that busyness and what looked like frantic energy. Mm -hmm. So I kept floating backwards and then I was 
really in what I think was the in-between space for a little while, the void. It was very black. It was very quick. Um, I got the feeling I wouldn't have wanted to have stayed there for a long time. Um, and then I very quickly got sucked into a tunnel and the tunnel was very black, but not scary at all. And I was moving through it like I was on a ride at the amusement park, having the time of my life. Mm -hmm. It was fast. It was fun. It was thrilling. It was exciting. And that was also very quick moving through the tunnel. And then I immediately plopped right out of the tunnel. And I was in this beautiful, brilliant, clear, white light. And there was such a contrast from the tunnel. The tunnel is black and fast. And the white light was bright and it was very calm. And so I needed a second there to orient to this change as well. And as soon as I settled in there, the first thing I immediately felt was the deepest peace that I've ever felt in my life. Um, just an overwhelming sense of peace. And it felt safe and warm. And I felt very loved. I felt very comfortable. I felt very cared for in that space. And as I was feeling the peace, then I started really feeling the love that really started getting soaked up. And it was, um, you know, truly unconditional love. I felt very seen when I was in the light. I felt very seen for all parts of me and very accepted. Um, and then more safety comes in when you feel seen and you feel accepted and loved mm -hmm. more safety settles in. And I was just taking it all and it felt so good. It felt very replenishing. And I started noticing, I knew that my body wasn't there, but I could still feel me in a sense, you know, those part, my soul, the, the part that's uniquely me. And I started noticing that there were holes that were being filled in. And I started feeling more and more complete as the holes were being filled in. And I had this understanding that it was wounding that was being healed. I was getting a healing. I was getting a huge, deep, profound healing. And I was noticing how it was all taking place. And it was very gentle, very loving, very caring and understanding. And the more the holes were filled in, the more I felt almost as if I was blending with the white light, but I was still also my own unique vibration, my own unique mm. self. Um, and then with that blending, then I started to realize that this white light, this beautiful white light, it's also me. I, I just had that understanding that I'm not separate from it. it. It's me. I'm part of all this vastness, this beauty that I'm taking in. And I was loving every minute of it. 
And I then at that point started to notice that it wasn't just me that was there. I felt almost like a crowd around me, um, but a really comfortable crowd. And I realized it was other souls that were there with me. And I didn't have really a lot of time to understand that because right at that moment, I heard, it was an inaudible voice that I heard, you have to go back. Wow. And that was, I mean, that's like a, it was like a gut punch. That was the last thing I wanted to hear because I was so much in that moment. I was so present for that moment. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It felt so good that I wasn't thinking about anything else but that. And so to hear you have to go back, I did not want to hear that at all. And I started to protest. I said, no, 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 no. (laughs) I don't want to go back. Please don't make me go back. And then I heard it again. You need to go back. And I knew I knew that's what was going to happen. I protested a little more though. And right then I felt myself go backwards into the tunnel quickly and then quickly right back into my body in through the top of my head. It was like I got sucked back into my body and I had a little bit of the pain come back. I experienced the pain just for a brief second. And it was enough for me to know, okay, I'm back in my body. I'm back in this world. Here I am. And then it was total blackout until much later that evening when I went into pre-op to prepare for what would be my first surgery to get well again. So when you went into your first surgery or any of your surgeries, did you go back by any chance or that was it? No, I did not go back. Um, I had a brief out of body experience during the first surgery that night Mm -hmm. um, where I popped out quickly, looked down. I saw the sea of, you know, that bluish green scrub color Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I popped back in and then that was it. That was it. Just a little quick, <clears throat> how you do. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there I am. What are they doing? What are they? Good, solid. All right. I'm going to get back in there. Um, so when you were on the other side, um, did you, were there any guides? Were there any, you know, relatives? Was, you know, was there a deity? Anything like that show up? It was just me and God. Really? And it was beautiful to have that I get so emotional still to have that you know direct interaction it was just um I'm glad it was that way because there were no distractions but it yeah it was just me and God and when I did feel some of those other souls come up I do wonder what was that were those family members that had passed. I I just don't know what the answer is to that. Because it might've been even more difficult if you would have seen family members or other people, you would have really been fighting and <laughs> protesting. Yeah. Kind of like they get to be here. I want to stay too. 
this is not fair. Not uh, no fair. <laughs> no fair. No fair. Because that's the way life works. Uh, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so, um, and what did it look like? I mean, was it all just white light essentially, or was it like anything else, or was it just white light? It was just white light, and it was so you know to have that tone of white almost seems like it would need to be foggy but it wasn't foggy it was a clear white light that was all around me um and so it 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 held that space it kind of held my soul I guess Mm -hmm. you could say but that was all that I saw there now when you came back uh as every near-death experience I've ever spoken to uh you come back changed uh, you definitely <laughs> come back a different person than when you walked in to wherever you walked into. I, I wanted to ask you, how did you personally deal with it psychologically with the limited machinery that we have down here to process these things? I mean, it's been a journey and and it's a journey that still continues. It's coming up on 15 years. It'll be 15 years in August. And I just a few days ago had a big light bulb aha moment. So it is continuing to unfold for me. But right when I came back, I was not equipped. You know, I did not have any tools to deal with that. I had no understanding really of even what a near-death experience was. I had heard of it, but I thought it was people who had a brush with death. I I honestly didn't know it was an actual thing that was being studied. That just wasn't a part of my learning throughout the course of my life. And so when I came back, I knew for a fact, there was no question. I knew that I died and I knew that I had gone into a white light that I believed was God that loved me, but I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. I mentioned it to a couple of people and those were the two people that were actually standing there when I did die. And so they, they couldn't hear it. They just, they wanted to move on from that portion of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think they were, I mean, they must've been completely traumatized to stand there and watch that. And then I, so I kind of, those were the two people, honestly, that I trusted the most with that information. And when they didn't receive it, well, I gave up for a little while on trying to talk to anybody about it. And I remember after my second surgery, I mentioned it to my surgeon at a follow-up doctor's point, bad idea, Mm-mm. bad idea. <laughs> science guy, he did not want to hear it. And he actually laughed. He chuckled about it. And so that just shut it down. I just shut it down. And I really was pretty sick for a good three months after my NDE. And so I had a lot of time to sit with it just on my own because I was so sick that I was, if I wasn't in the hospital, I was expected to be in bed or on the couch. And so I had a lot of time on my own to think about and try to process and integrate. And I was, I was going back a lot during those few months. And then I would come back in and I, 
I remember some people saying, don't you want to watch TV or do you want me to put in a movie for you? No, no, I, I don't want any kind of distractions here. I just wanted to think about that, but I didn't have anybody to talk to. And then I started to doubt myself thinking, well, could I have made this up? And, um, I was on a lot of pain medications during that time. And I kept thinking, well, maybe once I heal, once I'm off the pain medication, um, maybe it'll just seem like it was all a dream. But then what happened is as soon as I was off the medication, everything else felt like a dream and the NDE felt more real than anything else. That was very confusing. And when I was better, I was, I needed to go back to work and start taking care of myself again. And I couldn't, I would go, I remember my first kind of big outing is my boyfriend and I went to a shoe store and it was one of these warehouse places. Mm-hmm. So it has the really high ceilings, lots of people. And I had a full-blown panic attack. Um, I was so sensitive because I was blown wide open during my NDE. I was so tuned in to everything and everyone to be in a space like that was overwhelming. And I had a full-blown panic attack and he got me out of there and, you know, trying to make sense of it. We just thought, well, maybe because it's, I, because I've been in the house for a long time. It's the first time I really went out, but I would go to the grocery store and I was so sensitive. I was picking up on other people's thoughts. I was picking up on other people's emotions. Um, and I had never experienced anything at all like that before. And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't have the tools for it. And so I ended up staying home for about a year and a half, almost two years. I stayed home. And um We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It was the only place where I felt like I could kind of manage the energy around me. Um, But I was scared to go out was scary, especially when I didn't understand what was going on. Um, I didn't understand. I didn't even know what an empath was. And So to try to understand the sensitivities was just impossible. And even when I would stay home, I remember a lot of nights where I would sleep with the lights on. I was really frightened because I could sense so much hustle and bustle around me, even when I was at home alone. And I, we had a really bad snowstorm and it was one of these snowstorms where Everybody stays home. You can't get your car out of the driveway, nothing. Mm -hmm. Everybody stays home. So outside was very quiet too. And I had started to get curious, really weirded out by a couple things that were happening. I loved watches and I had some, a really cool watch collection. I couldn't wear my watches anymore because every time I would wear one, it would break, it would stop working. And then I'd try the next watch that would stop working and the automatic doors like at target, 
um, they weren't opening for me. It was like they didn't see me. And so we have this huge snowstorm and it's a down, it's downtime for me to start thinking about all of this stuff. And so I started Googling is what happened. And I Googled something like, can you wear watches after you die? Something like that. (laughs) And that's when I started pulling up all of this research about NDEs and the after effects of NDEs. And when I would read the list of after effects, I was just checking off everything as I was going down the list. And that was a huge turning point for me to be able to say, this is what happened to me. I had a near-death experience. It's an NDE. There are PhDs that are researching this. It's I'm not the only one that this has happened to. And the reason I can't go out is because I have all these increased sensitivities. So understanding it was a big turning point for me. And um, I still couldn't go out though. I still couldn't find a lot of information about how to manage the sensitivities. You know, this is before there were amazing podcasts and YouTube channels interviewing people that this has happened to. So I was really kind of flailing around Um, but I knew I had to get my life back again. I was still very young. I was only 36 at this point. And so I really went into research mode, trying to figure out what other people were doing, trying to figure out what researchers were saying to do. And another huge turning point for me was, you know, my friends were worried about me. They weren't hearing from me anymore. They weren't seeing me anymore. And I've always loved music, always. And one of my favorite musicians was coming to town. And my friend said, come on, you know, let's go. They were trying to coax me out of the house. And and I said, you guys are crazy. I can't even go to the grocery store (laughs) without losing my, really feeling like I was losing my mind and being scared to death. But you want me to go sit in an arena with 20,000 people? That's never going to work but they were convincing and and they said if you we just want you to show up and if you leave 30 seconds later we'll be proud of you for trying and so I reluctantly agreed to it one of the best decisions I've ever made because it changed my journey what happened was I play piano and I play guitar so I I listen to music a little bit different because Mm of that um But as soon as he started playing the guitar and singing, it was just like, it was just me and him. And I sat through that entire concert, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it was. And when it was over, I remember thinking to myself, how did I do that? I don't feel drained. I don't know what anybody around me is going through. And when I went home after that, I really kind of meditated on that a lot. And what I came to realize was when I came back from my NDE, I was tuned in to everything. And what I needed to learn how to do was to tune out. And even to this day, I'm always tuned in 
So it became a skill to tune out and going to that concert and really enjoying and listening to him play is how I learned to tune out. Mm. And um, it's also helped me to channel better when I, when I'm doing healings, I'm channeling the person's higher self, which really takes concentration and, and you really have to go blank in order to do that. And I use the same process to channel as I do to tune out in my everyday life. It's kind of a weird thing when you think about Mm -hmm. it, but it's really focus. And I just started gathering up tools like that in all of these random ways. And then I eventually connected with Dr. Um, Janice Minor Holden, who, I mean, she's one of the leading researchers on this. She and I live just a couple hours away from each other and she was very gracious and um, really helped me a lot. During some of my Googling, I found a dissertation that someone had done about how relationships change after someone has an NDE. It's something like 70 to 80% of people get a divorce. It's really high. And reading her research really helped me to understand and formulate what had gone on. So I, I was hurting for a couple of years afterwards. And I would say now, you know, I'm 15 years out from it now. I feel almost like I'm in the sweet spot of it now where Mm. I've learned how to manage a lot of the after effects I've gone and I've healed so many of my traumas that were unhealed that I didn't even know were there. Um, and now I'm in flow, which I, I am loving flow state is as close to being in the light as you can get that mm-hmm. peace. It just feels so good. Yeah. I've it's, I agree with you hundred percent as, as someone who gets into the flow state every once in a while in the creative, in the creative, uh, when you're in the creative space and you're just kind of in there, it's it's wonderful it really is wonderful. it's liberating it's really very, liberating. very much so I, I mean it does sound like you you must have thought you were going out of your mind before you googled that i mean you must have just am i losing my mind i thought i was going crazy i really right. thought i was going crazy and i really didn't want to tell anyone because i thought what if they think i'm going crazy and and that could spiral yeah that could spiral out of control really quickly at the same time, I knew crazy things were happening, but I didn't feel crazy. Um, you were just trying to process it, essentially. It, it, it wasn't like yeah. you were like, you were literally losing your mind. It was just like, there's so many things happening. You're just like, I can't process this. It wasn't coming from inside. It was coming from outside and you were trying to deal with what was happening coming in, essentially, right? Right, because I felt com- I felt completely bombarded by all of these really awarenesses that I had. Mm. Um, And it was, I mean, it was just too much. It was too much and complete and total. It sounds like you were like, you were frying the circuits. Like literally the nervous system could not deal 
with what was being coming. Your 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 CPU couldn't process this essentially. Your mind not only wasn't equipped for it, it just couldn't physically process this. And you just it just was too much. Yeah. The I don't think the body is equipped or able to feel everything. It's and, and definitely <laughs> no. And definitely I mean definitely the impact on my nervous system, especially as time went on. No, but it, it's it's really interesting because we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Again, from my perspective, from talking to so many near-death experiencers, uh, a lot of the things that you've said are very in tune with what I've heard before. Yours is interesting because your after effects were heightened to a very high level. I've heard of other high, and I've heard of other people who've like always had paranormal issues or or psychic abilities or things were dormant. And they're like, yeah, I always saw I saw grandpa at the edge of my bed when I was five. You had none of this, and you had no training whatsoever. You your family wasn't into this stuff, so you truly were you know, out at sea without a paddle, like you were just floating out there. And then all of this stuff happened. And you just, again, the word process is the, is the thing psychologically and physically process what was happening to you. It's, it's a pretty interesting thing. So, okay. So we've, we've gone through the dark night of the soul. If you will, you've kind of gone through, you know, the battle you've come out on the other side now. What are you doing with these abilities now? What What is the work you're doing to help the world at this point? I do energy work. I'm full, a full-time healer. And um, I part of what I see is I see everyone's potential, um, which mm. is really, you know, the true self, your original blueprint before life and trauma and conditioning and all that yeah. happened. And- I take you from here to there and it's all with energy work and, um, you know, talking about spiritual ideas and principles and working through traumas, healing traumas, um, to connect this gap so everybody can feel flow state really all the time and feel almost like they're in a meditative state all the time Mm. and to feel that peace. And I am grateful that the sensitivity is so pronounced because I don't think I could do this work without it. And I'm also very grateful that I've learned that when I'm off the clock or when I'm busy doing something with my daughter or trying to do, you know, really human things that I can tune it out now. Um, but I, no, I was going to say, I was going to say, it just reminds me of, you know, not to make this juvenile, but it reminds me of a superhero who all of a sudden has these uh, new abilities that have to deal with and how to control them. Because if not, it could destroy them. It really could literally destroy them. And again, not trying to compare you to a Marvel superhero by any stretch of the imagination. No. <laughs> but that, but that, but that kind of analogy, it kind of makes sense. Cause I mean, I've seen enough movies in my day that there are these when they have abilities they just can't deal with. They just if they don't learn how to hone them, 
it could be very detrimental to the person who has them, correct? It take you down. It could take quickly. you down very quickly. Yeah. If I, I'm very fortunate to have a curious personality. Mm-hmm. And so I had the motivation to Google and, um, Otherwise, if I had just sat there, I mean, who knows what would have happened to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it, and it is a different lifestyle too. Mm. I wouldn't say it's a normal way of living. It is a more solitary lifestyle. I need a great deal of quiet in my world to stay sane. Um, and you know, I've had to adjust my life too. And it, and it's, sure. I fought that for a while, but I'm good with it now, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole new way of doing things that needed a massive amount of adjusting. What is the biggest takeaway you, you, uh, you had from this near-death experience? There are two. I would say the biggest takeaway is the amount of love that is there for us. Um, we are so loved. We, and we are seen, you know, I wasn't just, I realized I wasn't, wasn't just seen during my NDE. I've been seen my whole life and I was loved my whole life too. And so we are all loved that way. We are all seen for who we are and what we're doing for better or for worse in that moment. And it's just deep, true, unconditional love. And the second biggest takeaway is, and this one's layered, that peace is available to us. Um, We just have to get there. And that's, you know, that's kind of like, what's the meaning of life? we're here to learn. We're here to heal our traumas. We're here to strip away our indoctrination or conditioning that we got the first part of our lives and return to our true selves because that's where that peace is. And so we feel separate from that love and from that peace, but we're not, we're not at all separate. Just things have happened to us that have created these blocks. And so it's there. It's just journeying, you know, healing and journeying to return to that. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions. Ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? The more we can be in our joy and um, the more we find ourselves playing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that's an interesting response. I wasn't expecting that one to come through. Um, the more you feel that you have time for play and for fun. And I really do think that we were meant to come here to enjoy life. And there will be challenges and there are. I mean, the world's a crazy place, especially right now. Um, but when we find those times to play and to do what excites us and do what brings us joy. That's truly our purpose. And I think that's how we will find the fullness in life and have that feeling of, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty whole 
even in this body and, and having this human experience. If you had a chance to go on a time machine and go back in time and talk to the little girl that used to be you, what advice would you give her? Alex, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I would go back. Take a minute. It's okay. That's an intense question. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, to break you down. <laughs> no, I love it. It could be a drinking game of every time Jane cries during an interview, it really could turn, <laughs> it could become a drinking game. Okay. Uh, well, that question makes me very emotional. I would go back to that little girl, to little me, to young me, and I would tell her everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. You go do you, you go play, you go have fun, be true to yourself. Don't listen to what other people think because that says more about them than it does about you. And I would just, I would tell her everything is happening for a reason and everything's going to be fine. You're going to make me cry now for God's sake. Uh <laughs> What would, can I ask you, what would you go tell young Alex? Oh God, I, why this is, this is my show, darn it. Uh, <laughs> Turning it around on dose your own medicine. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I mean, I've, I've asked that question a, a, a ton of times and I've been thinking about that more and more lately, believe it or not, but to go back to my young self, I think everything's going to be okay, man. Just hang in there. Understand that everything that happens to you is happening to you for a purpose. It is not happening to you. It's happening for you. Um, you are loved. Um, when you meet that mobster at 26, be careful. Uh, it's a long, <laughs> that's another story altogether. Um, it's going to be a long ride, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. Uh, and enjoy yourself. And uh, man, don't take yourself so seriously. Oh, yes. God, don't take yourself so seriously. And don't worry about the, the this, this, just the mundane, stupid things of everyday life. Don't worry so much. No one cares. In a hundred years, no one's going to remember that mistake or that thing that you think was a mistake or that no one cares. No one's watching. Everyone's dealing with their own crap. <laughs> We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Everyone is. And I think I love what you said about things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you because that is such a true statement. And when you're in it, it doesn't always feel that way. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, but it, that is such a true statement. And we are all exactly where we're supposed to be, no matter what age we've been. Um, but you know, the young, the young parts of us had to care about what other people thought. It's and part of the process. Yeah, it's part, part of, of the process. Oh God, it is. But man, I always love saying this to people. I'm like, imagine if you and I went back and we were like 20 with our brains today. Oh. <gasps> damage we could do in this world oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> yes well and young people today they oh, yeah. get it much more than we did that's for sure 
oh, they get it. And they are interested in all of this. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know that they have a lot of adults around them to help them put shape to all of this. But yeah, that they're they're on another level than we were. Well, that's for well, sure. They, they come programmed from the factory a little bit different than you and I did. <laughs> Definitely. It's just, a, it's a different thing, they, but they're coming to keep the evolution of humanity going. If another generation like ours or our parents would come in, it just wouldn't move. So there has to be something coming in behind us. That's a little bit more ready, more evolved innately in their in, in their experience as a soul coming into this existence or in this incarnation to be able to keep moving things forward. Just like we are definitely not our parents. Yes. Our parents are definitely not their parents. It, generation by generation, things are moving forward and moving forward. Um, sometimes more painful than others uh, to move forward. But I think, I, and I have kids, so I understand. They look yeah. at, they, they look at like, you want me to work how Grandpa did what in a factory and he made how much and like, and then for 40 years, like it just didn't, it doesn't completely doesn't compute to them. They just don't even understand how that's even a thing. It doesn't register at all. And they really understand non-duality. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they know that they understand (laughs) non-duality, but they really feel it. And it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But our generation, we, you know, a lot of us, I see this, you know, calm as a common thread with healing work. Our, a lot of us are breaking those generational trauma cycles, which is mm-hmm. a hard job. And to, you know, draw that line in the sand and say it stops here and that will benefit our children, but it is hard work. And we're kind of, you know, we're building this road from here to here and that's dirty work. You know, you show up to work <laughs> with your, imagine if you're building a literal road, you show up to work and your clothes are clean and you're freshly showered. At the end of the day, your clothes are a mess. You're sweaty, mm-hmm, smell mm-hmm. bad. That's what we are doing. And that's okay because I'm happy to build this, participate in building this road for our kids and their kids to just- but- glide down hopefully well I, I always call our generation the bridge generation yes because we are a bridge between the old and the new because we understand the old because we came from it but we also understand the new because we were right there when things started to change in the late 90s and early 2000s with the internet and technology and all that stuff and even ideas and concepts changed with our generation so mm-hmm. it is it is not easy work it is dirty work uh but we all asked for it if you're in this generation, you came down, you signed up for this. So. We signed the contract and here we are. So might as well do the best job we can. Absolutely. Um, how do you define God? God is love. God is love. And that light, that's where we all came from. It's, I mean, it's truly source. It's where we all came from. And it's where we'll circle back to and then maybe even make a few more circles again. But yeah, God is love and and caring and safety. 
safety. I don't know that a lot of us were raised to believe that though, but I do believe there's a lot of safety there. We were raised with a lot of judgment. Yeah. (laughs) That we were going to be judged, at least in the Christian uh, faith, Um, but in other faiths as well. uh, There is a lot of judgment. Um, And finally, what is the ultimate purpose of life? To return to true you and to experience the joy and the fullness of that and to by doing that model for other people how to do it so they can see and they see the results and where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing um, my website is safehandshealing.com got a lot of different resources there i try to have something to fit all the different personalities and um, there's a lot there to look through. And do you have any parting messages for the audience? I guess I would like to tell everyone the same thing I would have told little Jane. Just everything's going to be okay. And don't let the judgment seek, seep in. And keep keep doing the work. Keep plugging along and take breaks. <laughs> um, take breaks. That You know, the healing journey, it can be really intense and you need to take a break to integrate that healing work that you just did and to have some fun and to have, you know, some lightness and some to enjoy life again. So I think that's important for people to hear. And also this has been coming up a lot lately. I'd like people to know that as you evolve and you go on this spiritual journey your habits change and your way of healing changes. And when you first start out, we're like these kids in a candy shop and we want to read this and gather that info and try this. And, you know, you're gathering all the tools and you're doing the research and you're learning and you're seeing what resonates with you and what doesn't, what works for you and what doesn't. And then there does come a point where you don't have to keep doing that. And I don't know that we hear that a lot um, from, from healers or really from anyone. There is a time where you can relax in all of that and you don't have to keep filling your brain with all of these things. There is a time where you just you know pick up your toolbox of everything you've collected and then you move on to what's next. And I think if we stay in research mode for a long time, we don't get to experience the beauty of flow. And then sometimes you go back to research mode. It's just, it's a cycle, but I want people to know they can take those breaks, especially if you feel like you're spinning your wheels. That's an indicator. It's time to take a little bit of a breather. Jane, thank you so much for this conversation. And I hope it helps somebody uh, or many people around the world, my dear. I appreciate you. Thank you, Alex. I want to thank Jane so much for coming on the show and sharing her journey with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 282. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember... Trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.